Hello friends, welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. I hope y'all are having a great start to your week. Things have been pretty crazy, whether it was Will Smith versus Chris Rock on live television for the world, the Canadian men's national team qualifying for the World Cup, and oh yeah, some Winnipeg Jets games in between. We're going to be focusing on the Jets games here on tonight's episode of Locked On Jets, including some really fun takeaways and the glorious return of Vili Heinola. All of this coming right up on tonight's Locked On Jets. You're locked on the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey friends, thanks for pulling up a chair to tonight's Locked On Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is 100% free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. This show is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. Speaking of where the game starts, you know, the Jets had a couple of games over the past several days. Uh, You've probably seen at least some recaps, maybe some highlights. Winnipeg versus Columbus on last Friday. And then on Sunday, we had Winnipeg versus Arizona. Now, these games... You know, for the Jets, I guess you can call them critical, um, especially if the objective is, in fact, to make the postseason. You know, Winnipeg really can't afford a single dropped game, in part because a lot of the teams that are ahead of them are on much better win streaks. Uh, Their their positioning in the standings is better. They have games in hand. So the Jets don't really have any sort of margin for error. Now, their current slate of opponents hasn't really been super, super difficult, and yet we all know that With this Jets team, not everything goes according to plan. Friday night, though, you know, the Jets welcomed in the Columbus Blue Jackets, which was kind of a bittersweet reunion for a lot of fans. We saw Jack Roslevic, Pascal Vincent, and uh, perhaps most notably Patrick Laine returning to Winnipeg for the first time since the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. Of course, you know, a lot of fans rightly have assessed that PLD is, you know, the, the better overall player and stuff. But I know even for me, I still have some emotional attachment to Line. I think when he was drafted and certainly um, in his first couple of seasons for the Jets, it was a really cool time. I mean, everyone seemingly loved him scoring bangers. He could slap the, the puck in from just about any angle. It felt like every time he was on the ice, the Jets were a threat to score. And he was part of a core that was really dynamic, really fun to watch. And Line, you know, even though he had some very serious uh, shortcomings in his game, We all still really enjoyed him, for the most part. Um, Some folks definitely didn't like him all that much, and I still get pushback on Twitter about it. You'd be surprised what happens if you say one nice thing about something Line does, especially, like, his defensive effort. If you're one of those Jets fans, you can appreciate, at least at the bare minimum, some incredible goal-scoring ability, and the fact that he did give us some pretty cool seasons. But, you know, on this night... The Blue Jackets weren't coming in as friends, they were opponents, and the Jets had a pretty even game against Columbus. This was uh, maybe not the greatest sign for the Jets. 
The Blue Jackets are pretty bad, to be honest. This has been a very rough season, and it's not like it's super surprising. Columbus has kind of sold off a lot of talent. Uh, you know, their, their rosters are a little bit depleted. They're working with a very young group in certain positions. Um, some of the heart and soul guys that they used to have, they're no longer there. So this new crop of kids that they're running with, it's not really been smooth sailing, which, again, you would expect. And they're in a very tough division, so you can forgive them a little bit. All that said, I thought that they actually played the Jets pretty close. Winnipeg had a couple of really uh, difficult opportunities that Comrie did actually have to save. Uh, some tough deflections, some really good shooting angles, and the Jets themselves also created in pretty equal measure. At the end of the game, if you look at the scoring opportunities, both in high danger chances uh, and overall cumulative expected goals for the entire game, not that far off from each other. I mean, these two teams, they kind of went toe-to-toe -to -toe trading punches. Ultimately, though, the Jets ended up winning, but not without some controversy. There was, right at the end of the game, you know, the Jets had a 3-2 lead, and there was a missed call that I think a lot of people were kind of puzzled by. Uh, Josh Morrissey sort of got mauled along the walls, and then Morrissey, I think it was Morrissey, was the one who retaliated, uh, slashed somebody from behind. It might have been, um, I actually don't even remember which blue jacket it was, but the guy kind of sold the contact, uh, definitely looked right at the ref afterwards because he was kind of looking for the penalty. And yeah, it was it was a foul call. I mean, you really can't say that Morrissey didn't slash him, but it was kind of ridiculous because like Morrissey got hit from behind and it was a pretty reckless hit that definitely was late and not really uh, a, a play on the body when, you know, somebody has puck possession. So for me, I, I feel like Morrissey probably could protest that a bit. Either way, though, Columbus then got a power play out of it and then scored to tie the game with the goalie pulled. So yeah kind of irritating, but then, you know, the Jets wanted an overtime, Ehlers kind of doing Ehlers things, all's well that ends well. From this game, I think there were a couple of really good takeaways. Number one, Nikolai Ehlers, still amazing. I think Ehlers has been uh, really on fire ever since returning from injury, and he's basically scoring, you know, every game or so now, which is pretty impressive. Uh, he's always been very talented, very dynamic, but this version of him that we're seeing He's also finishing chances, so you're just really happy to see maybe Winnipeg's best overall attacker continuing to perform at a high level. I'll also say that Eric Comrie, I thought, he was really competent. I mean, I've been very surprised with his mechanics changes and adjustments this year. I think he's looked a lot more refined, more like an NHL caliber goalie, and I really wouldn't mind him coming back as a backup next year. Just, you know, maybe give him a little bit more time instead of, you know, 10 games a season. The Jets really haven't called upon their backup enough, and I do wonder if that actually has impacted Hellebuck's ability to perform this year. He's run out so much and has faced so many shots. At some point, you know, Hellebuck might need a little bit more of a rest. I'm not saying that you have to give uh, Comrie like half a season or anything drastic. Just, you know, use Eric for what he's there for. I think he's more than competent. He's shown that he does deserve a shot at it, and, you know, he if he... Uh, gets a couple of wins here and there. Maybe he'll get a nice little raise for himself somewhere, either with the Jets or another team. But, you know, this being Winnipeg, they'll probably just run Hellebuck into the ground instead because that is the usual strategy. Of course, the game against Columbus wasn't the only game that the Jets played over the weekend. We also had Arizona versus Winnipeg the following Sunday. And I've got a few worthwhile takeaways from this game, which we'll get to in just a moment. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about Built Bar and why they're the best tasting protein bars on the market. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your New Year's plans. 
Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but it's even better for you. They make it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike all those other waxy, chalky, boring protein bars you're used to. Bilt Bars are coated in 100% real chocolate and contain around 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Good luck finding a candy bar that's as guilt-free as Bilt Bars are. Ready to make the change? Go through your cupboards or all of your secret snack stashes and throw out all the junky, calorie-laden, super sugary foods that you can replace with Built Bars. You don't even have to love working out. Built Bars are suitable for every lifestyle and can help you cut calories the tasty way. To get started, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Start your New Year's resolutions off the Built way. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day, every day. Also, be sure to check out our Locked On NHL program featuring Locked On Now, the fastest and easiest way to catch up on all your favorite hot NHL action, featuring nightly recaps, game information, and expert analysis from our local experts. It's free to subscribe on all your favorite podcasting platforms, so do so right now. Get it right now because it's Locked On Now? <laughs> Love puns. Anywho, you know, you're probably wondering about the Jets versus the Coyotes, which was the game that, uh, as of this recording, actually just happened last night. Um, so you're waking up to hearing some fresh insight into what wasn't that close of a game despite the scoreline. Winnipeg basically paddled Arizona for like 60 minutes, and thanks to Karel Vermoka, which, you know, if that name is not yet familiar to Jets fans, you either live under a rock or just don't watch Arizona Coyotes games against the Jets, which is entirely fair. I don't blame you. But uh, Vimelka, for some reason, has had Winnipeg's number this year. If you look at his goaltending record, it's it's a bit interesting. Uh, sometimes the Oats with him really struggle and he can't really stop much. Other times he looks like a Vesna caliber candidate. And in tonight's game, he looked more like Vesna caliber candidate. When it comes to goalkeepers, I think one of the funniest and easiest ways to do analysis is look for the crappiest team and find a goalie posting above league average or even league average sometimes. Maybe that's like the, the bare minimum or uh, actually I shouldn't say the bare minimum. It's a better reflection of them having to work extra hard just to make what would look like ordinary numbers elsewhere. Uh, and Vimelka has been very decent in small samples. Obviously, they just resigned him because he seems like a guy who's okay playing for the Yotes. Uh, he doesn't really have a long enough sample size to make a bigger decision either way. But I can tell you one thing. If the Stanley Cup was won by just playing the Winnipeg Jets for 82 games plus the playoffs, the Yotes would basically own that title. I mean, this dude, Vimelka, all they have to do is just throw him out there and see what happens. That's generally been their, their strategy, you know, is, is to rely on Corral, which is very funny because it is very similar to how the Jets have played. Now, in this game, I didn't think that they were super dangerous for the most part. Hellebuck generally had, I, I would describe as an easier night. Not super easy, but a couple of chances he had to snuff out. Uh, generally speaking, though, nothing too close in. Arizona really struggled to get into the slot, and Winnipeg's offensive pressure the other way was generally pretty overwhelming. Despite the very good offensive pressure the Jets were creating, ultimately we just did not see them score for most of the game. It actually took them until overtime to win 2-1, to one. and, you know, it wasn't for lack of trying. The Jets were actually creating a ton of low-slot opportunities. Vimelka was just doing a hellebuck and absolutely stonewalling the Jets at almost every corner. And uh, the one goal the Jets did actually concede was kind of like, you know, a little bit of an unlucky, greasy one that sort of got through Hellebuck's pads as he tried to seal it. 
puck sort of slipped through and I forget who it was, but they tapped it home. You know, not much I would say that anyone could do about it. Otherwise, you know, the Jets had a pretty competent performance. Was it like enough to really get the Jets back into uh, playoff mode? Eh, I don't really know. The Jets are kind of in an odd state where I, I think that they can beat up on smaller teams, but if you start matching them against really good opponents consistently, you know, Colorado, Minnesota, yeah, I'm just not getting great feelings about it. I, I still have a lot of suspicions about this team, and right now the Jets are two points out of a playoff spot, but, you know, let's take a look at the standings and try and get a sense of what exactly is, is the road ahead. So right now, you know, the, the Western Conference, and specifically the Central Division, because the Pacific is definitely not getting the wildcard spots, uh, the Central is the only really relevant standings stuff that I would mention. Colorado sitting pretty in first at 66 games played, 98 points. That's going to be really hard to, to top. In second place, you've got Minnesota, not even close, with 64 games played and 84 points. Yeah. <laughs> That's a 14-point difference between first and second, man. That's pretty wild. I'm not sure if any other division has um, stratification that drastic. Actually, no other division even comes close. I mean, the closest, or I guess the largest deficit we see is actually um, in the Pacific, which is seven points, and it's not even similar to 14. So, yeah, Colorado's just kind of running the central. In third place, though, is interesting. This is where it starts getting really murky. You've got the Nashville Predators currently there with 80 points in 66 games. But then in the wildcard positions, you've got the Blues and the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Now, the Blues, they've got a couple of games in hand, and they're at 79 points. Uh, Vegas has played more than anyone else with 68 games, and they're sitting in second with 76 points. Right behind them is Dallas with 75 points, but, uh, you know, only 64 games played. So Vegas very likely to get bounced out. That means, you know, with the Jets at 67 games played and 74 points, they've played about two to three more games than most of the rest of the Central, which for the Jets is not great news, especially if they are, in fact, trying to get into the postseason. And it's not like this team is really built for the playoffs. I think even with some of the changes to the roster, uh, some of the line combo alterations and stuff, it's kind of still the same team. As much as I wish I could say otherwise... I, I wouldn't put all my hopes on this squad. I, I don't think it's quite there for me yet. Maybe next season I'll have a little bit more faith. But I think this year, if they miss the postseason, there's no real shame in it. I, I mean, it is a shame because it feels like a wasted season, but uh, given the circumstances and what all has happened, you know, the, the team can only do so much, and I think that the players kind of understand that. I just sort of want them to fight every shift and give us 100% of their best ability. If that best ability is to still lose, whatever. You know, I can't really complain. But just give us uh, give us your all. Show us some fun times. If you don't make the postseason, no big deal. Now, I will say there were some standout performances from this game that I think are really worth spotlighting. And we'll go over which of those players really stood out to me. Again, it is against the Oats, so like, don't get super excited. But I, I think one or two performances really do merit some conversation. We'll get to those in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are uh, thinking about the Jets and the Yotes with some standout moments, even though, again, Arizona, not exactly a powerhouse squad, but still, you know, you got to give them all due respect. They're an NHL team. They uh, occasionally will push back and, and give the Jets some real trouble. I mean, this is one of the few teams that, despite being one of the worst teams in the NHL, has actually shut the Jets out. So you really can't count them out. 
Now, all that said, Winnipeg, you know, I thought pretty much everyone across the board was pretty good. Only a few Jets players not really uh, not really holding up their end of the bargain. Brendan Dillon kind of had a nightmare outing. The third line, also not super good. Uh, but aside from that, you know, Vili Heinle, who made his return, he actually got the Jets helmet in the locker room post game, and I thought he was pretty darn awesome. He was guarding Hellebuck, he was blocking shots, I thought his uh, offensive puck cycling and his defensive breakout puck cycling, which, you know, he has that really fast one-time pass where it immediately hits his stick and he's just, he's got it on to the next player to get the defensive breakout going. He does that better than almost anyone else on the team. And because he does it with such frequency and such uh, accuracy over and over again, I just really enjoy watching him work. I think he's one of the more clean and interesting defenders the Jets have. You know, his ability to keep things cycling and moving back up the ice constantly is a really big asset for this team, and it gives so much more fluency to how the Jets play. I would also say that aside from Heinola having a really good night, uh, again, Ehlers, another really great night. This line of Stastny, Shifley, and Ehlers, as long as it stays together, I think it's going to be doing pretty well for the rest of the year. You basically just have to separate Wheeler and um, Shifley. I think once you do that, so many issues with the team start to fade away. That that top line usually gets pasted when Shifley and Wheeler are together. The moment you split them apart, things kind of turn around for the better. Now, will it remain permanent? I don't know. But if it's gone for the rest of the year, the Jets are probably going to be a lot more workable. And I say that, you know, honestly, I think the Jets, they only have a couple of really major things holding them back aside from the coaching staff. And I feel like some of the line combos, in particular that top line, has been a major sore spot. As much as Wheeler wants to go out there and really fight for the badge and and be, you know, the captain of the team, you know, you just have to admit that he can't keep up with it like he used to. And, you know, for Shifley's sake, he kind of does need a little bit more speed out wide to make use of his skill sets. I still think Mark can be one of the most effective, creative, attacking players in the entire league. It's just that when you don't actually get chances to create because, you know, the rest of your line doesn't really move all that fast, it's kind of a problem. But with Ehlers now doing transition, doing offensive zone entries, uh, doing a lot of perimeter play inside the offensive zone to set up scoring opportunities and create passing and shooting lanes, the team is going to have more balance. Uh, And so, uh, you know, overall, the Jets actually played pretty well. I I mean, like I said, there weren't very many down spots, I would say. Only a couple of moments where the Jets probably could have done a little bit better. Now, Arizona, I will say, is not the toughest team that they'll be facing. They uh, next play on on Wednesday, I believe, against the Sabres. And then they've got Toronto, Detroit, um, L.A., the Avs, Montreal, and a few other teams. Uh, A lot of Western teams towards the end of the season to close it out. The end of April is basically going to be a Western swing against a lot of playoff opponents. So uh, I did see a tweet about the Jets basically needing to go 13-2-1, even with this uh, Yotes win, to actually make the playoffs most likely. And I, <laughs> I, I said if they actually do that, you might as well just call them cup favorites, because the likelihood of a run that good is so astronomically low that I think it would probably be a lot to expect the Jets to pull it off. And if they were to, you might as well pencil them in as cup favorites, because like I said, I mean, this, this isn't just uh, the sort of fortune that you know, an odd streaker here would get you in. Winnipeg would have to pull off one of the biggest upsets in form in recent history. And I just, with the schedule being as it is, I don't really feel that's going to happen. So yeah, you know, I I would be disappointed if they bow out really poorly, but 
Um, as long as they can keep fighting and still lose, I think that's fine with me. You know, get a good draft position, focus on building the future core, and I can be okay with that. If they make the postseason, you know, hopefully they go deep and, and have a deep run, but I just don't expect it. So let me know what you would be disappointed by. Do you want the Jets to make the playoffs? Do you not want them to? Are you more interested in the long-term prospect pipeline? Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's podcast, though, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingston help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your favorite podcasts, so be sure to like, follow, and subscribe right now. And as always, thank you for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!